0: Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that everything that we have comes from you and is good. And today, at this time, we thank you for your good word, your life-giving word. As you have caused it to be spoken and written down and read, so we pray you'd write it on our hearts by your work in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things I love about our church, and um, Dave mentioned it Just a little while ago, is getting to meet visitors and guests each week. Uh, In fact, did you know that, uh, and I might have said this before, but 45% of the people who are in our church weren't in our church five years ago. Uh, And about a third of those people weren't in any church. Now, I think that's pretty exciting. Uh, So welcoming visitors is a natural part of what we do. And and when when we talk, when I find myself having a conversation with someone, uh, uh, perhaps they've been to another church but moved home. Uh, Others, as I said already, weren't at any church and probably were in the same home. Uh, And others, for one reason or other, haven't moved but are checking out our church. Now, whichever group they're in, I, I love when I get to ask people, what are you looking for in a church? What's needed? And you get all sorts of answers. Uh, maybe they're looking for things that will engage their kids. Maybe they're, they've they been thinking about the bigger things of life. Maybe. But, you know, uh, I'm happy to share my opinion too. In fact, I quite like sharing my opinion. Those of you who know, know that. Uh, and what I say to people is, just as someone once said to me, When you're looking for a church, look for two things. Look for a church where the Bible is the final authority in knowing God. That's the first. And because most churches will say that's how they treat the Bible, the second thing to look for is a church where the people love each other. The answer to the second confirms whether the church really believes and means what they said in the first And I think, too, it's the same with us individually. Uh, How do you know whether someone's a healthy, growing disciple of Jesus? Well, they treat the Bible as the final authority in their life, and they love people. As Paul says in Titus chapter 1, verse 1, Knowledge of the truth leads to godliness. And the flip side of that is not knowing the truth or believing a distortion of the truth leads to ungodliness. Now, we want to be people who embrace truth, don't we? Uh, And guard against dodgy alternatives. But you might be thinking at this point and hearing where we've got so far that, Well, Roger, you're just talking about the authority of the Bible, and we talked about that last week. Uh, Now, in one sense, that's true, but in another, and what we didn't get to look at last week is, what are the alternatives that people choose? Because if anything other than the Bible is our final authority, it will stand over the Bible. So how do I live out responding to the Bible as God's final authority? And what are the alternative uh, claims to authority that butt up against it? And how do I go on living the disciples' life, uh, guarding the first and rejecting the second? Those are the questions that we're going to hear answered today, the answers of which are going to motivate us today on this fourth and last week on our series on the Bible. So... Let me read you again the summary, the summary belief that we have as a church arising from the Bible about the Bible. Here it is. The Bible, Old Testament and New, is God's revelation to us. It is God's, God-breathed and infallible as originally given and has supreme authority in all matters of faith, conduct and experience. Scripture is sufficient for knowing God and his plan. It is not only central to the well-being of the church, but is able to thoroughly equip the Christian community for life and godliness. Now, we've been uh, looking at it part by part over these four weeks. Let me just focus in. Uh, we'll highlight what we're looking at today. The Bible is sufficient for knowing God and his plan. It is not only central, to the well-being of the church but is able to thoroughly equip the Christian community for life and godliness. Now when we say that the Bible is sufficient, we're saying it is enough. In fact, more than that, we're saying it's all that is required. And like I said last week, that doesn't mean we can't learn things from elsewhere The Bible doesn't claim to be to speak into every area of life that we can know about in the world. It doesn't claim to be the final authority on physics or the arts or mathematics. Its claim lies in knowing God, knowing ourselves, and how he's brought the two of us together. And so as you read it, it informs and reforms how you see the world so that you and I, we can take our proper place in God's world, in response to God. But let's touch uh, on the necessity of the Bible first. We need the Bible uh, and we sort of touched on this back in our first week, we need the Bible because though God has revealed something of himself in creation just as its creator, it's not enough to know him personally. You can't Look at the creation and know that we need to be forgiven, let alone how we can be forgiven for our abandonment of God. It's only enough now to condemn us. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Like we heard in the first week of our series... We need God to reveal himself in a special way, as he has through history and finally and fully in his son Jesus. You only have to go to uh, the first verse of uh, uh, Hebrews uh, to see the Bible talking about how he's done that. In, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. And so, as the one who fully reveals God, Jesus confirmed the authority of the Old Testament and authorized the New Testament to be written. That's why the Bible is necessary. But is it enough? Well, we know about the sovereign power of God, uh, the power of the word of God, and the truthfulness and mercy of God. So we need not doubt that he's given us all we need to know in his word in the Bible. But let me show you something else that the Bible says about its sufficiency. Looking at the purpose God has given our lives and how we can live up to it. To do that, I want to take you uh, to a great couple of verses. First, from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, from verse 8. Uh, For it is by grace you have been saved. You might have heard these verses before. They're great verses. Uh, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But have a look at particularly here at verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now verse 10 there begins with 4 that we've got highlighted in front of us and by beginning with 4 that tells us this is the why we've been saved. This is for this reason is what 4 means. This is our purpose and our purpose is to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. But what are these good works? I think people have different views about what good works are. In fact, uh, the the St. Vincent de Paul uh, Society charity, do you know what they have as their tagline? Anyone know? Good works. Uh, So is Paul talking here about being charitable and feeding the poor and caring for the vulnerable and providing for those in need? The answer is yes, and more. <laughs> for that and more, we return to a passage that we've gone back to most weeks in this series from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It's actually verse 17 I want to focus on in particular this week. Uh, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You and I were made for good works. And what are they? Where they're everything that flows out of reading and understanding and responding to God in his word, the Bible. They're how we trust and obey Jesus with our priorities and in every area of our lives. And how we... Pray for forgiveness when we don't. And they're how we sacrificially love people we live with rather than taking them for granted. And they're how we uh, love uh, and serve even people we don't know as we have opportunity. They're how we speak truthfully to one another and how we repent of being sarcastic with one another It's how we pay what we owe, whether it's to another person or to a business, and in an unpaid advertisement at this time of year, tax time, uh, the government with our taxes. And what Paul in 2 Timothy really drives home is, God not only equips us, he thoroughly equips us. Uh, When you've got a job to do and, uh, you know, you work for an employer, it's an expectation, isn't it, that they will provide, they will make sure you have the safety gear you need uh, and the equipment you need and the training you need to do the job that is your purpose. Well, Paul is saying in Timothy, to Timothy, in God's Word written for us in the Bible, that God, through his word in the Bible, does exactly that. So you can be confident. Confident that the Bible covers the length and breadth and height and depth, covers everything you need to know to know God, know yourself, and know how he's wonderfully brought the two together. Now I mentioned other authorities, other alternatives, uh, a little before. What about those other alternatives? We've left that a little bit hanging until now. Uh, I've found it really helpful to recognise the different types of authority in my life, the different influences that affect my decisions using... What I've uh, shared with you in the past, and I've called the uh, authority boxes, I didn't think of it, someone else came up with this, Uh, but I was speaking to someone recently who was talking about the same thing, and they call them the Brett boxes. Okay, I'll show you why in just a minute. Uh, Let me show you uh, these boxes. It goes like this. There are different authorities that influence our decisions in life, and so the Bible is one of them. Uh, reason is another experience is another and tradition is another you don't have to put them in any particular order in the boxes but uh, if you want to be helped in remembering it b for bible r for reason e for experience t for tradition spells brett you know with a slight shortage of a t but anyway The thing is, in everyday life, all of these authorities influence our decision to different extents. Your experience uh, will feed into how you prioritize your time. Your reason will nut out what you think is uh, a practical choice or a strategic choice or uh, a least effort choice, whatever's needed for a different decision in your life. And tradition, whether it's the culture you belong to or the church you belong to with its history and way of doing things. In fact, that really is the definition of tradition and culture, isn't it? The way we do things. Uh, And of course, we have the Bible itself, which we've been talking about under the spotlight. Now, the thing is, when you start... Uh, reflecting on these authorities in your life and the influence they have they don't always line up they don't direct you in the same way necessarily in different situations and the question is what do you choose when they come into conflict and your answer to that which you choose is the answer to what's my final authority And of course, the Bible, the Bible claims it should be. And I I want to challenge you to let it be. As in fact, I'm simply proclaiming to you what the Bible challenges us, it should be. But like I said earlier, plenty of churches and people say, they say the Bible is their authority. But in practice, it's an authority rather than the final authority. They may use the Bible, but they don't necessarily rely on the Bible and to their peril. Let me demonstrate uh, how this might play out by using examples of some broad categories of Christianity. And of course, we're talking about this. It's helpful to become self-aware about this so that we can uh, foster knowing the truth and reject error. So take reason for example, and I used to use the Uniting Church in Australia as a good example of this. Sadly though, there are plenty of Anglican churches in Australia and around the world, particularly in the Western world, who've gone down the same path of having tradition trump the Bible. But it looks something like this, where if the Bible says something that doesn't line up with our human reasoning... They choose human reason over God's Word in the Bible. Even 30 years ago, in fact, uh, I was cleaning some stuff out in my office, which I could spend the next year doing. Uh, Cleaning some stuff out of my office, came across a publication from the Uniting Church from 30 years ago, which was quite open about this. It's not a secret, it's thought through. Uh, And the direction of what that publication said, of where they're heading is, we know more than the writers of the Bible then and the Bible isn't God's Word, but contains God's Word, we have to decide which is which. And it's actually a a post-enlightenment view of the world which treats human reason as the greatest thing we have and as the highest authority, and and this is the most uh, obvious example of how it might play out and impact how we read and understand the Bible. It will say... We know miracles don't happen. In fact, if you think of the world, you know, a humanistic world as a as a closed world, you, there's no no room for intervention from God through miracles. So they can't have actually happened, even though the Bible says they happened. There must be another explanation. And so the conclusion of this is Uh, and has pretty significant effects on everything we believe, Jesus couldn't have physically risen from the dead because it just doesn't happen that way. And so whatever they might have said that suggests that's the case, they must be talking about something else, a sort of uh, shared uh, uh, vision or a, a sort of a spiritual explanation that's separate from the physical. Or here's another way that it plays out. Uh, We don't believe it's fair for God to be angry at human sin, at our human sin, and we certainly don't want to see people we love and care about experience the anger and judgment of God. So we need to read and interpret the many passages about God's anger differently. Now, human reason is a good thing. God gave us minds to think and use logic and have creative thoughts. But here's the problem with human reason having it and having it as our final authority it is corrupted by sin. And it will serve sin and our sinful choices given half a chance. (laughs) Just take an example of miracles. For one, we might not have experienced a miracle, but does that mean they don't happen? I didn't experience World War II. But am I confident that it happened? For many reasons, yes, I am. And why not the same for the miracles and Jesus' death and resurrection with all the implications that flow out of it? And even for how I think about the judgment of God. I might not think what God has revealed is reasonable or just, but is that mine to decide? The terrible consequence of choosing reason over god's word when they come into conflict as the final authority is that we can become cool to god we will become cool to god and we will lose a heart for mission as there is frankly ultimately no reason for mission when we go down that path and that's where the anglican church in uh, many places in australia and in the us and the uk and canada that's where it's ended up. And that's why those who are faithful to the Bible uh, are rallying to an organization like the GAFCON movement that we've talked about in the past. That's reason. What about experience? Uh, what I've noticed, because we're talking about broad, sweeping generalisations here, is that the Pentecostal and charismatic churches raise experience over the Bible as their final authority. Uh, they add the experience people have had and that they promote to the Bible, which actually undermines the Bible as sufficient. Examples we come across uh, nearby are imaginations and hill and I know when I say that, for some of you listening, uh, you'll have a negative reaction to hear me say that, whether I mention that church or the uniting church or other churches. Uh, but you need to hear too that for others of us, we're actually encouraged to have a light shone on the distinctions and have them called out. So we can be clear in the way that we honour God as a church and as individuals. Because the challenge is these things, these people and churches look very similar on the surface. We both talk about Jesus. We both refer to the Bible. But you won't hear about judgment at charismatic churches, by and large. You will hear lots of talk about victory. But victory over what? And you still hear of lots of talk about receiving the blessing of God. But does God's promise, is his promise to us today of health and wealth and wisdom now? Or are they confusing the promise of heaven and the new creation with the the more realistic experience of hardship and suffering now, along with the promise and confidence that God is with us in the midst of it, and will see us through it. And this is where we should add to whatever church category someone belongs to, the Bible doesn't promise us new revelation from God, Jesus is the full and final revelation from God. Uh, Whether it's experiences or words of the Spirit, different from what the Spirit has already revealed in Scripture, The scripture tells us that won't happen. Experience is a good gift from God and a great servant for our thoughts and choices, but it is a cruel master. What about tradition then? Uh, Again, this affects affects us all, but the Roman Catholic Church is the best example of a broad category that we might have come in contact with of this, Uh, where in the Roman Catholic Church tradition trumps the authority and sufficiency of the Bible. Uh, Again, like I say, Anglican churches, any church in fact, we're never far away from this sin. But the Roman Catholic Church is very clear. Uh, It doesn't rely on the Bible, as the final authority to know God. It says it relies on the counsels of the church and the decisions of its leaders, even when those decisions contradict the Bible. It says tradition and scripture have the same authority. In fact, I've got a book in the study from the Roman Catholic Church published under John Paul II, which says exactly that. But in saying that and believing that, you can't have two authorities that disagree having authority. One ultimately has to rule over the other and indeed in the Roman Catholic Church, tradition has trumped Scripture and so becomes an obstacle to people seeing God clearly and relying on His salvation confidently. When we talk about these other alternatives, that they are a A good servant, but a cruel master. Do you believe this? It is God's word to us. Look again at the Brett box. And uh, what does 2 Timothy 3 and the other scriptures tell us? Let God's word in the Bible be your final authority because it is sufficient to carry that weight. And sure draw upon these authorities, even tradition for example, reformed bible believing jesus trusting disciples and churches like us, we have a good hard look at our at, uh, at the traditional interpretations of the bible before we strike off on a different path. A long hard look. But we need scripture to be our rule and guide. Otherwise, we'll fail to do the good works God has prepared in advance for us to do. Knowing and trusting Jesus as Lord. Living lives obedient to Him. Walking in the confidence of forgiveness, the forgiveness won by Him in our past and future hope of His promise that awaits us. And this book, the Bible, and as we hear it and speak it to each other and others, wonderfully supplies all we need so we can be thoroughly equipped. Praise God for that. I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we want to know you more deeply. Uh, love you more clearly and we thank you for your word in the bible that is all we need indeed to do that we thank you for jesus who fully and finally revealed you and that he in his uh, wonder and power and loving authority caused the scriptures your word to be here for us today Help us to live by them and to love them, to cherish that you have spoken to us and honour you as we reject the alternatives that would claim the authority that is yours alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.